Kristen Wallen here on Democracy Now! I'm Amy Goodman with Nermeen Sheikh. A shocking new investigation by Reveal and the Center for Investigative Reporting has uncovered evidence that African Americans and Latinos are continuing to be routinely denied conventional mortgage loans at rates far higher than their white counterparts across the country. Reveal based its report on a review of 31 million mortgage records filed with the federal government in 2015 and 2016. This is Reveal data reporter Emmanuel Martinez speaking on PBS News. Hour about the investigation. Here we have the likelihood of denial. So black applicants in Philadelphia are almost three times as likely to be denied a conventional mortgage. Reveal found this troubling pattern in dozens of cities. Philadelphia was one of the largest. In 61 metros across the country, applicants of color are more likely to be denied a conventional mortgage, even if they have the same financial characteristics as a non-Hispanic white applicant. The Reveal investigation found the redlining occurring across the country, including in Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia, St. Louis, San Antonio, Texas. The report is being published as the nation is preparing to mark the 50th anniversary of President Lyndon B. Johnson signing the Fair Housing Act of April 1968. The voice of justice speaks again. It proclaims that Fair housing for all, all human beings who live in this country is now a part of the American way of life. We're joined now by two guests. All right. We are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I am your host, Derek Moultrie. And give me one moment here. All right. Uh, I am Derek Moultrie of Black Equity Podcast. We're just watching a clip that you just heard. If you're watching on Spotify, you can see the video. And we are joined today by Rod Standback uh, with Flip Funding and also the founder of Hard Money University. Welcome, Rod, to Black Equity Podcast. Thank you, Derek. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Definitely, definitely. And I know we're going to learn a little bit about your background just through the conversation. Uh, what are your thoughts? I know the conversation today is going to be around lending and how it's impacting uh, the Black community. What are your thoughts on what you just heard at the opening of the show, the clip that just played? I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing that we're still seeing headlines like that in 2022. You know, um, you know, I just saw articles this week where they were saying how, you know, well, we will get to there, but, you know, I saw articles as recent as this week sharing, you know, similar stories. And it's sad, you know, it's something that, you know, minorities, specifically Black people, has been struggling with for, you know, decades in this in this country, of course, you know, so, well, centuries, really. But, I mean, you know, um, so it's disheartening that it's still going on these days, you know, so... um what can we do about it? You know, the only thing I feel like, I feel like we need to focus on the solution. You know, we can harp all day, get depressed and angry about it, but we need to be solution oriented. The only way I think that this will change is more awareness, of course, you know, with the social media and everything, you know, it can't get muffled out as much, you know, but I think, but us having more of a presence inside of these, you know, financial institutions and the financial industry in general that's the way that, you know, we can begin to, to make this thing change. 
You know, when we were preparing for this episode, it really brought me back uh, to before I became a full-time entrepreneur, full-time investor. Uh, I actually worked for one of the, the top uh, banks and I was in the, uh, I worked in two different departments while I was there. But the time that I remember the most is working at the uh, mortgage side. And actually we would underwrite the mortgages at the bank and um, I guess approve of of the uh, lending that was going out. Um, and I saw a lot of things that I'm not sure I was supposed to see. And being an African-American, Black American, whatever the term may be, I would just sit there and take a lot of mental notes of how the, the, the lending decisions were happening. Um, you could kind of tell they like, obviously they're not going to come out and just fully say, don't give, you know, loans to black people or people of color or whatever the term that they're going to use, but they would find sly ways to do it you know, based off of zip codes or based off of uh, income or based off of whatever miscellaneous reason they would find. When I know you started off your career in the investment side, did you ever find that as an issue when you were uh, first an investor before you got into the lending side of having to deal with lenders who did not want to work with you because of the color of your skin or your background or something that had nothing to do with your character? Uh, honestly, I can't say that I have, you know, uh, because when I was trying to get loans as a real estate investor, I've never attempted to go through a bank. Mm. You know, I did attend, I mean, I did attempt to go through private lenders and some hard money lenders and I was denied, you know, but honestly, I can't relate it to, you know, any racial or discriminatory practices only because when I first got into real estate, it was during the great recession. And nobody was lending then, you know, and then the people that were lending, once people got back into the scene, they really wanted to lend to the people that had rapport, you know, so the, the more experienced borrowers. And I didn't yet have that credibility. So I won't contribute it to this here, you know, um, as far as my personal experiences as a real estate investor. So let's talk about that real, real quick. Why did you choose to not go through a bank? Because for so for as an investor, banks won't lend on fix and flip projects. And that's how I started out. I know a lot of people start with turnkey properties where there's no rehab is required, which is, you know, a lot easier when you're first coming in because you don't have to deal with managing the contractors or, or completing a, a major rehab. So, um, yeah, so that's why I went to, like, I've tried to go through private financing or hard money lending. Okay. And so while doing that, what did you discover how did you end up on the lending side? So I ended up on the lending side because the first couple of properties I purchased were actually stolen. You know, um, like I said, it was running the Great Depression. I mean, I'm sorry, the Great Recession. And uh, the property value dropped drastically. I didn't really know what was going on. It was just the stars happened to align for me. I was putting it out there in the world, you know, that I wanted to invest in real estate. And lo and behold, somebody came to me and told me they knew somebody with two properties for sale, $10,000. So I jumped right on, you know, but the thing where I went wrong is I didn't have any knowledge. You know, I didn't do any due diligence or anything prior to, you know, um, doing this, completing this transaction. And after I repaired the first property, 
um, listed for sale for two weeks, then found out that it was stolen. You know, they asked me for the HUD. I didn't know what the heck that was at the time. So mm-hmm. I was like, what is a HUD? They asked me how I got the property. I told them, and they referred, they referred me to a lawyer. And then I told the lawyer what happened. They told me that the properties were stolen. I had to do a quiet title process in order to, you know, become the rightful owner to see if the the actual owner wanted the properties. But the, she was deceased, you know, and the heirs mm-hmm. didn't respond to our attempts. So I was thankfully, you know, able to uh, keep those properties. But after that experience, I went and got a mentor. And my mentor, he taught me a little bit about real estate investing. And he happened to be not only a real estate investor, a developer and a real estate educator, but a hard money lender as well. And I was intrigued by his business model, you know, and I didn't see any people of color really in hard money lending. That was my first time hearing about hard money lending anyway, you mm-hmm. know, but that was the person that first gave me the opportunity to get a hard money loan at the time. But they didn't, unfortunately, he didn't really teach me this business. He did give me an introduction, but um, I had to figure this one out on my own. You know, during these conversations that, that I have with each guest, I try my best to listen to every word everyone's saying. And you said earlier, let's not focus on the problems, let's focus on the solutions. So my question to that is, what are we solving? Right? If it, if we're focusing on the solution, what is the problem in which we, we've, we've diagnosed as the major problem that we're actually solving for? I feel like it's the lack of representation, you know, mm. of us at the higher we don't have seats at the table at the on these boards, you know, like where's the representation of people of color at, at, at Wells Fargo? We know mm-hmm. that Wells Fargo have a long history of discriminatory practices and racism towards minorities, especially in relation to, you know, mortgages and stuff like that. So, you know, I think with more of us having a presence, we can fight more, you know, we can, we can have more of a voice. We can fight for, for our rights and you know what I mean or equal rights at least you know but without us being there who's going to care about us who's really going to you know think about us you know when when they're when them and their people you know are being taken care of okay I, I can see where you're going with that uh, let me pull up uh, also another uh, another clip that that came up about this topic uh, for those who are looking to watch this uh, you can watch on Spotify right now. Uh, go to Black Equity Podcast on Spotify. Let's play one more clip on this particular topic, and then let's get into some more of the solutions. A decade of disparity for black Americans in Pittsburgh. A new report finds wide differences in bank lending to minorities and minority neighborhoods over the last 10 years. The report from CMU and some local groups tracked lending to black Pittsburghers and those who live in minority neighborhoods since the Great Recession. It found only 3.5% of loans given out since 2008 have gone to African Americans in the city, while almost 7% went to minority neighborhoods. It's so bad that as of right now, if you're white and decide to move into a black community, you are more likely to get a mortgage than if you're a black person living in a black community. The report's authors say it shows banks refusing to invest in minority neighborhoods and say public investment won't be enough to build communities. All right, so that's a clip uh, from a local news station in Pittsburgh uh, that is talking about... um, loans not necessarily going to African-Americans or minorities. That's the terms that they use. Mm -hmm. 
I'm curious. You talked about not necessarily going through the banks and using the hard money. Mm-hmm. For on the investor side, I'm curious. Is that is that one of the main solutions? Because I mean, you're you're saying, well, we should be on the boards at the banks, right? But yeah. if the banks aren't going to approve, you know, the types of investments uh, that many of us are trying to do in the investment space, why not just go strictly to private cash flow or private lending or private investors? Why keep even looking at the banks? That's a great question. Man, the answer to that is because we, we need both. We need representation in both sectors because in the residential or owner-occupied space, we need representation because we need places to live. You know, like the home ownership is a, a key vehicle to wealth, you know, generational wealth for long, for long term. So, you know, in order for us to get higher approvals, again, we need to be, we need to have that presence, you know, in, in those institutions. But as far as an investment perspective, it's, it's the same, you know, it's the same. So in private and hard money, there's no representation of minorities and specifically black people at the top of the chain, there, you know, so there's not many of us within the industry. You know, I've been in this industry since 2013 and I can honestly count on one hand the number of minorities or specific, again, specifically black people that I've seen in a, in a, in a good position, you know, like a uh, decision-making position, you know, like a CEO of one of the top lending companies. And that's not good, you know? So I feel like we're needed in, in both spaces. Okay. Okay. So have representation within the banking industry. Uh, making sure that we are there for key decisions. I guess also one other solution could be being one of uh, the owners of the bank. You know, we're seeing more and more black owned banks pop up. Yeah. Um, so I guess that would be a solution as well. What, what would you say to that? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, if, if you could be the owner, I mean, not if you can be, you can be the owner, but if that's what you decide to be, then so be it. That's even better for sure. Okay. Yeah? So, be on the boards at these banks. Uh, you can potentially own the bank or have some type of ownership in the bank. You can be on the private investment side or know where to go as far as getting private investments. So, and then also private lending. Yeah. Right. Am I missing anything that could be considered a, a solution to what we think we've diagnosed as the problem? I think that that that's where we should start. I think those are the, the the two main areas where we need to start, you know, in reference to lending for sure. Okay, so out of those solutions, you decided to focus on the private lending side. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. And so during your uh, time, I know you just mentioned that you haven't seen a lot of people that look like you and I in the private lending side, right? So during your time as a private lender. What did you learn that you wish you had known before you were a private lender? Uh, that the importance of help, you know, the importance of getting help and guidance along the way. So um, I told you I had a mentor and he taught me real estate investing. He was a hard money lender and he did have a, a, like a two day course, you know, two day class. I attended, gave him some money. It was like $5,000 I gave him and did the course. And I was gung ho and excited. And I thought that I was ready to, 
tackle the, the lending world, you know, to lo and behold, I got in the mix of it and realized how unprepared I was. And, you know, this is the cost of not doing business, I should say, you know, mm. so um, the guy had a, t- a continuing education course for $10,000. And I'm like, wait a minute, I done paid $5,000 you know, now he's asked for ten thousand dollars. I'm not going down this rabbit hole, you know. So I'm gonna try to figure this thing out on my own. That's what I tried to do. In the end, it ended up costing me six figures, you know, trying to figure this business out, making mistakes, doing things the wrong way and everything. So my biggest learning curve was the you know, the value of getting educated beforehand, before diving into it and getting someone that's experienced to help you and that'll save you a ton of stress, money, and time. Okay. And so I'm assuming once you started learning all this information, you came to a point where you said, how do I get this information to my people? Yes, yes, yes. I recently, you know, because I had like an epiphany, you know, look, because again, I'm a real estate investor. That's how I got into the business. So you look on social media, you look on HGTV everywhere. Real estate investing is hot. Everybody wants to get involved. But I noticed that nobody's talking about the financing, you know, that's one key ingredient to making it all manifest. And, you know, so I was kind of baffled by this. I'm like, well, wait a minute, nobody's talking about it. But then I even thought, I'm like, well, wait a minute, I looked about my journey in this industry. There's no schools, you know, there's nowhere to teach you this information. And again, I'm baffled. I'm like, why? You know, you can learn real estate, you know, investing in several gurus, thousands of gurus out there. You know, they have real estate classes where you can learn how to become an agent eventually a broker, but nobody's teaching you how to get in onto the lending side. You know, even residential lending has a standardized test that people can take to get qualified and learn a business, but not this private and hard money lending, you know? So that's why I decided to, you know, uh, create and launch the hard money university. You know, I, what I really enjoy about your story is it really puts you into what I call uh, perfect alignment for solving some of the issues that we're seeing. So there was this other article that came out um, and it says this is on Kellogg Insight. And the the headline reads, Black-owned businesses often struggle to access capital. Here's how financial institutions can change that. And then the subheading says, banks and investors need to redefine credit worthiness, diversify their boards, and think more about social returns. And that's a little bit of what we're talking about as well. So as I was studying up for, you know, this episode and preparing to talk about, you know, where, where are we headed here? How do, if somebody wants to become a lender, what are some of the first steps that they need to start considering? Uh, Since many people online, on social media, like you were just saying, they're pushing real estate investing, real estate investing, real estate investing, and almost many of these see i'm gonna push back a little bit on what you're saying because you're saying it's the gurus and i also think it's the personalities right so you'll have these real estate gurus that will sit down with these uh personalities who happen to have a microphone in front of them and the microphone people person you know the talking heads are telling the guru you know they're slapping them on the on the knee and laughing, saying, "Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's what they got to do. They're stupid if they don't invest. Now, now's the time to invest. And that could be stocks, that could be real estate, it could be business, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. you have one talking head talking to another talking head, 
And they're they're basically making the audience feel as if, well, if I'm not in real estate investing, then then I'm, you know, I'm nothing, right? But with this conversation, a different frequency, not, not saying anything is wrong with real estate investing, but very few people are talking about the lending side. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious what what steps should people start looking at as they go down this maybe alternate uh, reality away from what the crowd is telling them to do of lending? What do, how do they start thinking about going down that path? That's a great question, Derek. So first I would say, do your research, you know, do your research because a lot of people, they get attracted by the shiny, you know, parts of real estate investing. They don't see the the dark side of it. You know, and when I say dark side, you know, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It just comes with the game. You know, they don't see the surprises on the back end when you're going through these projects that, you know, cost you extra money and minimize your profit, brings extra stress. You know, if you having a contractor that's, you know, not cooperating and not completing the project and executing on time, it's a lot that we deal with on the back end. So, you know, you just want to, you know, don't just absorb all the, the highlights, you know, just get in and learn, you know, talk to somebody that's experienced, learn about all the downsides of real estate investing. You got to learn the full scope of everything in order to have an informed decision to determine that's what you want to do. Same thing for lending, you know, lending is uh, another aspect of, of another way for you to get involved with real estate investing without having to deal with tenants, contractors, and, and, you know, um, and so forth. But at the same time, we have our, you know, uh, uh, cons as well. You know, like I love it because I don't like having to deal with uh, chase t- contractors and rely on them to finish the project. You know, I'm vulnerable when I when I'm relying on a contractor. I don't like relying on tenants. You know, because anything can happen. You know, and we know life gets real. People can't make t- payments and stuff like that. So then, you know, you're not making a payment, but you might have to pay your mortgage payment, you know, regardless if that tenant is paying or not, you know. So that's the reason why I enjoy, you know, hard money lending. But I encourage everyone to do your due diligence, you know, um, even if you have to contact me because it's not many people that you know within this space, you know, to ask questions, you know, look at look at my websites, you know, look at all the FAQs and check everything out. But at the end of the day, do your due diligence, you know, and have, make sure you're making an informed decision before you move forward with anything. I love that. Okay. So one of my biggest things is I want to be able on this season of black equity podcast is I want people to think critically. That's really my goal for this season. Why? And I, I've heard this answer before, but I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw it on the table. Why are the gurus and the microphone holders mm-hmm. only focus on the investing side and not the lending side. Why do you think that is? A lack of knowledge, a lack of, you know, it's just, I, I would say sort of ignorance, but I wouldn't even say ignorance, just a lack of knowledge, a lack of information, you know, which equates to ignorance, you know, but that's all it is because people, you know, they fear what they don't understand. If you don't, mm. if you don't understand it, then you can't speak on it, you know, for the most part. And, and it is strange because people, you, all of them utilize it. You know what I mean? You, if you're investing, most people are using OPM, other people's money. So everybody understands it, but it's just too far-fetched for them, for most people. You know what I mean? You can't fathom yourself being in a position to lend because you think that most people think that you need to have millions of dollars in order to get involved with the industry. That's what they wanted us to think for 
ages, you know, and that's what I think is the major deterrent that keeps us away from this industry is that a lot of us don't come from money. We don't have networks of individuals with money that we can raise capital from in order to lend. So, you know, we assume that we can't get involved, not realizing that everybody is lending everybody else's money. You know, even the bank, we invest, in, you know, and we, we put our money in the savings account. The bank is lending that money out. You know, they give us a small portion and they're taking the majority, but we can do the same exact thing. You know, we have power in numbers. We, we're, the, we're the top spenders, you know, in, in, this, in this country, you know, so we have the money. It's just how we utilize it. As you've been getting this message out about become the, becoming the lender and uh, thinking with a lender's mindset, what has been your, what has been the feedback, especially from people who look like you and I, have, has there been a warm reception to this? Has there been any pushback? What have you seen to this idea of becoming the lender? I've seen, you know, I've gotten great feedback once people absorb the information. Like if people got in the course and, and you know, they experience it, I get great feedback. Um, initially, you know, I think people think it's a scam. <laughs> you know, I think I think people assume it's a scam because it just seems so unrealistic that they'll be able to be in a position to lend money to this, oh, this great pool of real estate investors out here. You know, and it's like you, can, you only can go where you, as far as your mind take you, you know, so and and and, and to add to that, you know, I'll say that it's because people have been burned, you know, and I understand people are skeptical now because I'm coming into this thing sort of in a, in a later end, you know, of like the past couple of years, it, the courses was hot and people were selling straight BS. You know, a lot of people were, you know, they had bait and switches, you know, it looked glamorous on the outside from the advertising, but you get inside and the courses were worth it. So people are skeptical now. And, you know, I feel like people are raising their eyebrows at me, you know, p- people that that are new to me, you know, but I'm I'm fine with that because I think it's important for everybody to do your due diligence. You know, I just said that about the industry, but I mean, on even on individuals, whoever's claiming to be an expert and what they do, they claim that they have the best course ever or whatever, do your homework and get testimonials. I mean, look at testimonials, get reviews from people firsthand that have experienced these things. Don't just go off of what people are saying on the surface. I'm going to give my take on it. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've never spoken about this publicly. And I think it's time. Okay. So in the Bible, I'm not asking anyone to believe in it. Just what it says. Uh, it says the borrower is slave to the lender. I think for a lot of people who look like you and I, they can't fathom not being the slave anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm putting this out there and I know this is going uh, to upset some people, but I'm okay with it. And you don't have to add any commentary to this if you do not want to. No, you know what? I think that's a good point because subconsciously, I think I think you're correct. But go ahead. I think a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people come and go, man, and everybody is just trying to make it, and they're trying to make as much money as they can. And another thing we also got to talk about is, I used to think that we were the it was called the black wealth community, but I'm realizing that it's actually just it's actually a split. There's the black rich and black wealth community, right? And then, of course, in, in any in any community, there's also 
the poor. There's the poor. I'm not going to call it black poor because that's just going too far. There's the poor. There's the in our community. There's the black rich, and then there's the black wealthy. Rich comes and goes. Right. Right. You you you'll you'll make you'll make the big money. You'll take the picture in front of the 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 properties, and you you know you're on the gram or whatever is the the gram at that during that time period um, of history. Right. Whatever it is that gets you the clout whether it be being in the newspaper, on the radio, whatever it is that gets you seen, that's like the black rich. What I realize about the black wealthy is they really don't need that. Right. Because they know this is a long-term game. That's right. Right. This is, we're talking about generational, generational, generational. So how do I make sure that what I'm doing today is going to take care of my grandkids grandkids that type of thinking right and i think for many people they're thinking about the next deal and i I call that the black rich community i believe the black rich community see oh man i think we got to be careful with who we allow to go on those boards Oh, absolutely. Right? Because we're saying, well, we need more people on the boards. We need more people doing it. More people who look like us. I'm going to call, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think, yes, we do. But who is it? Is it a black rich person or a black wealthy person? No, we need wealthy. We need somebody to think long term. Because if it's black rich, what they're going to do is the same thing that the white rich did too. Mm-hmm. Right? What white rich did is they exploited the black community, um, whether it be through predatory loans or through blocking them out through redlining and making sure that they can uh, uh, devalue that land and then allow uh, white rich investors to come in and take over those properties and over those communities. And they call it now gentrification, right? And so if you put black rich into those same positions, I actually think you get the same result. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because you see it similarly with, with these quote-unquote gurus out here. A lot of these black gurus on the surface, they, if you listen to them, they say that they're for us. But if you, if you really do your homework and look at their practices and, you know, how they treat their people that's believing them, purchase their course and everything, you'll see the completely opposite. I mean, they've burned the uh, business partners, they burn students and everything. And these are people that look like us, you know? So how can you be for us if you're intentionally getting over on our people? I was thinking, you know, I woke up middle of the night the other day and I'll be, I'll be putting a lot into these episodes trying to, cause I want to make, cause I know we have a responsibility. Here's another thing. A lot of people that are standing next to gurus, the fake gurus uh, yeah. who have the microphones take no type of responsibility for their platforms. And so instead of coming out and saying, well, this real estate investor or this business guru or this person who practices about credit or this person who does, you know, builds apps and really the app company isn't even real or all this stuff, right? Right. All of this fantasy, like it's like we're in the middle of a desert and it's like a mirage and the black rich is selling us the mirage and i'm looking out and i'm like wait these people take no responsibility for their platforms no and they're not and they're not there and you know what and i'll tell you why and i didn't realize this 
Well, I, I realized this. I first got on my radar years ago when I partnered with a, a fake guru. I didn't, you know, but whatever. So that's how I learned initially. But now that since I've got onto this online marketing and, you know, instant social media thing, I've realized that they're not going to take accountability because they're desperate. You know, a lot of these people aren't doing what they're supposed, what they're saying that they do. They're trying to make money off of providing you this 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 false hope or this, this information, you know, that they're not even utilizing or capitalizing off of. A lot of people are just taking information, taking they recycling information that they saw from somebody else's YouTube, they're Googling information and running straight to these social media channels and posting it like they're experts. You know what I mean? When you do that consistently long enough, you'll get people to believe you. And then when people, they, they start to believe you, you, do, you know, they know, they know, like, and trust you for some reason, then they're willing to hand over their money and then, you know, they, they don't find out it's different until, you know, they're already in bed with you and they, and they get burned. But these people don't have the conscience because they're money driven. Like they're not, they don't care about the, 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 the number one agenda, which is to move our culture forward. When I'm thinking about this, this scripture about the borrower slave to the lender, I want to make sure people understand it from a historical context. When I say the word slave, I think a lot of people in our community immediately picture themselves. They think, oh, like black slavery. But slavery has happened in damn near every country around the globe over history. So it's not a, a when you say slave, it shouldn't mean black folk, right? Uh, but black people have been enslaved. White people have been enslaved. Uh, all different types of people have been enslaved. So when I say this next statement, it's not because they are black that I'm saying this for those who are listening. I think a lot of these people are, they are addicted to being enslaved. And that's why they have to run on all these different platforms. And they've bought into, they've become the lie. They've lied so much. Now, through, now, now catch me, catch what I'm saying here. They've lied so much that they've become the lie. And now they have to lie on top of their lies. It's like a house of cards. And so now they have to push out this idea of invest, 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 invest. But typically when you invest, you're going to work with other people's money. So why wouldn't these same so-called experts, big brands, big platforms, why wouldn't these same people also say lend, 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 or even beyond this conversation, give, give, give. We're, We're talking about philanthropy. There's, $80 $80 billion a year, and I might even be conservative with that number, that is being, uh, not lended, given to charitable donations. And then people are saying, oh, no one will ever hand you anything. Bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. People will hand you things. There's $80 billion in, philanthrop- in philanthropy money. But one thing I will say, Derek, yeah, but if you don't have the, the, the information or the knowledge about how to obtain this information or even that it's available, then, you know, you wouldn't be able to capitalize off of it. So I think a lot of it is 
spreading awareness, you know, about those of these opportunities where people have opportunities to get grants, you know, or or loans, or even you know, uh, charity uh, um, gifts or whatever, you know, um, that they can utilize to, you know, put them in a, a situation to better their life. Or they do have the information, mm-hmm. and they're hiding it. They do know that money is going to philanthropic causes and they're hiding that information. They do know that you're going to be a slave to the lender, but they're hiding that information. And so what ends up happening is we end up in a, in a same cycle. We keep revolving. That's what the word revolt means. We keep revolving around the same information and keeping people stuck in the same uh, cycle of bullshit. Right, right. And you know, the problem, I think, you know, like the 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 beauty about this day and age is that a lot of the information is only one type of way, you know what I mean? But the, the, the one the one problem, the number one problem with that is that it's a lot of misinformation out there. Right. And, you know, it's it's difficult to decipher the truth from, you know, the, you know from what's false a lot of times. So it, it, that's why it's important for people to take their time and do due diligence to determine what's real and what's not. You don't just look at the first source that you find, you know, continue to dig and, you know, and really search for the truth with things. Okay. I think we're, 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 we're finding common ground here. Cause I really, you know, this is season number six for black equity podcast. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like last season I poured my, my soul out. Um, I only had one guest last season. And I used the entire season to try to understand what the hell is going on in our communities. And I thought, I honestly thought from the actions of people, I honestly thought that there really wasn't a black wealth community. Let's be honest. I really thought black wealth was just a, I thought it was fake. That that became the, the, the conclusion that I came to. But then I realized that the black wealth community isn't fake. It's just that they're not really black wealthy. They're black rich. They it's uh, they're just a cycle of people who are going to make money for three to five years. If that and I'm giving them a lot on three to five years and then they'll just disappear into the ethers and then there'll be a new batch of black rich people who come in, do the same thing and play that same game. And then they'll disappear. And then I started thinking and then I started reading like these older uh, books about uh, the black wealthy and what they had to deal with and I realized similar to what we were talking about earlier the reason why the cycle happens is one of the reasons I'm sure there's many reasons is we never t- we two it's two reasons one we follow the crowd so wherever the crowd is going that's who that's where we're going to follow they're the cool people, so that's where I'm going to go, right? And then number two, we don't, we very rarely have we ever said, let's be the lender. Mm-hmm. We're so, we've been, someone came to us, I even seen uh, Diddy said this the other day, right? I pay other people, so then I don't have to do the work, and that's the hustle, right? He really, he like, he, he put his whole spirit into it when he said it. I was like, well, okay, did he? Um, and I get what he's saying, right? 
you want to free up your time so then you can do the things that you want to do. And I would say that Diddy is black rich. I know he has a lot of money, but it's still a black rich mindset. I would say Rick Ross is black rich, right? You don't have to comment on any of this. This is just what we're going to do today, right? I would say, um, I would say a lot of the people that you actually see consistently talking about money are black rich. And I would say the black wealthy is that person that you didn't know owned a piece of that basketball team and no one, no one knew them for 50 years. And then out of nowhere, you know, you hear about them after they pass away and you're like, Oh, I didn't know that person did all those things. Right. It's typically they're typically they're oh, another thing you can look at is black, black rich typically builds other thousandaires around them. And black wealth typically builds millionaires and billionaires around them, right? So you look at someone like a, a Diddy, where every single artist around them has, for the most part, perished in some way right. or gone worse off than when they met this person. Then you look at uh, someone like a David Stewart, uh, a black billionaire out of St. Louis. Uh, he's built uh, a technology company, worldwide technology. Everybody around him is building up and becoming multimillionaires. And so, and and maybe it's the the industry, right? But someone has to step in and say, "Yo, enough is enough." Someone has to say, you know, what's popular isn't always necessarily what's right. right. Someone has to right. step in and say, "I'm calling bullshit." And I think if anyone does any uh, research on the things that you've had to survive and the things that you've had to go through to come out on this other side, I don't think it was a mistake, Rod. I'm, I'm putting my soul on the line here. I don't think it's a mistake that you went through what you went through. And on the other side, you become the lender. I don't think that's uh, there's So there's this other scripture that talks about you will go through the fire and on the out of that, you will come out as pure gold. Mm. Right. And I told you before we were going to do this episode about the gold lender on uh, the richest man in Babylon. Yeah. Right. And how I think everybody needs to read that particular chapter. I right. Highly recommend it. I believe the conversation we're having is pure gold. Now, people may miss what we're saying and they may catch it 20 years from now. Yeah. Something else I found out about gold, my brother, mm-hmm. and I hope you catch what I'm, I'm about to throw at you. Gold, like if you go to buy gold and you bring a magnet with you mm-hmm. and you just place the magnet over all the gold chains or whatever the gold is, gold will not be uh, sucked up by the magnet. Right? (laughs) Gold will not get taken away by outside sources. Right? Gold will stay still, but the fakeness, oh, the fakeness will rise. (laughs) The fakeness will rise to the top and it will appear as if it's real. It will. Yeah. 
but it's not. And once you te- once you test that chain, you'll see. Oh, the reason why the magnet picked it up. Because if you don't know any better, you'll think, "Ooh, this thing got risen to the top, and it's real, yeah. right?" But once you actually look at the gold and study it, it's fake. That's why the metal picked it up. Yeah, I think the banking institutions are fake, yeah. right? And the only reason they could have been real, the banking institutions could have been real, but they chose to be fake because they wanted to exploit humanity. So if we put the right people on the board, I know we got to go soon. If we put the right people on the board, I don't know if it's even these black banks. Well, my concern is with the, with the black banks is the rules that are in place are still white rules. Right, right, you're right. And that's the thing. That's the thing that people have to realize is that, you know, even with me, well, it depends on your structure. So with these banks and these financial institutions that are regulated by, you know, the government and stuff like that, they have certain things that they just can't change. You know, like everybody has a strict set of guidelines, criteria, underwriting, you know, things that they have to follow. Now, so you're exactly right on, on that end. But on the, the private end, you know, to a certain extent, that's that's correct. So under my current business model, yes, I, even though I'm a direct lender, I fund deals with my own and my and the, and the capital that I raise, I'm still not in 100% control because I'm selling my notes. And same thing with the, the residential uh, owner-occupied industry. They're selling those notes to third-party, you know, investors called aggregators. They package the loans up and sell them on Wall Street as securities. So as long as you're selling these loans, these notes to these institutions, you have to abide by their criteria. Now, I you know mine in the private world, I haven't noticed any guidelines that are like, you know, discriminatory or like racially driven, you know, but there's still certain things that don't make sense, you know. So and the only way to get fully in control of that is to create your own fund, which I do have. I just haven't utilized just yet, but I am going to start utilizing it. As of now, you know, because I got hit twice, you know, as a result of like just the, the economy and things happening within the world, you know. So in 2022, I um, got hit, you know, when well, I'm sorry, in 2020, once the coronavirus pandemic hit, you know, the world went into frenzy. It was a lot of uncertainty, capital markets, Wall Street shut down. You know, as a result, my business was uh, was had to shut down, and it was affected by that because I'm selling my loans to these individuals on Wall Street. So again, they have, they have a lot of power over my business because if they shut down. I'm done. You know, so I didn't like that feeling, but we recovered quickly, and I just you know kept going. Then now we're at a, we're at a point where as though this is a volatile moment for lenders. You know, interest rates are increasing, so you know a lot of people are scaling back on. Uh, they're reducing uh, LTVs and so forth. So again, a lot of my investors that I sell my loans to, they're out of business now because the interest rates are so high, they've been priced out of the market. They don't get paid from origination fees like the average lender. They get paid off of the spread from the interest. You know, So whereas though I might have been selling them a loan at, they might have been buying a loan for me at 7% in the past, you, know, you have residential mortgages going for 7% now. You know, So investment loans, we're up to like, nine, ten percent at at the, the bottom rate, you know, so my investors are out. So as a as a result, you know, I have a limited pool of 
of options to sell my loans to, which 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 prevents me from being able to service and cater to all of my borrowers that I got wood in the past. You know, and that it, it hurts my business. You know, so in order for me to get in front of that, I now have to and prevent it from happening again in the future. I have to say, you know what? I got to just take on this and 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 raise money. I have to be the bank myself. You know, I have to keep hold these loans on the books so that I have complete control and I'm not affected by these outside factors and these individuals anymore. I, I know we have to go soon. You know, I, I do want to talk about uh, Hard Money University because I know people are going to say, hey, so what do we do? I mean, I hear, you know, this is a very deep conversation as it typically yeah. typically is. Yeah. Um, so what do we do? What, you know, I had an opportunity to review a portion of Hard Money University. And the reason why I'm like this, for those who are listening to this episode and saying Derek went off on a tangent and he's, where is he going? When I was reviewing this information, all these light bulbs were going off, right? And these, the scriptures that I've, go ahead, everybody rewind back. The scriptures that I'm mentioning and the things that I'm talking about they all started coming to mind or I was being directed towards them. And then videos started popping up on my Instagram of gold and magnets and putting gold through fire and it doesn't burn. And then there's scriptures to it. And I started realizing, Oh my God, God is talking to me. here, Right. The borrower is slave to the lender. We have an opportunity to now learn how to become the lender and many people, from what I can just tell, it's just not sexy enough for them, mm-hmm. right? It's just not, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't do it, you know? But I always was told wealth is boring. Right. And if someone is overly excited and they're overly pushing something, I have a suspicion, just a, just a suspicion that it's Black Ridge, mm-hmm. right? And and what is that? What is black rich and black wealthy? So for me, so there's gold, and then there's fool's gold. That's right. That's right. Right. I believe lending is on that side of gold. I'm not saying don't invest. Right. Right. I'm not saying don't invest. What I'm saying is, I want you to think long term, and I want you to have in your arsenal of decision making as a free thinker, I want you to be able to say, oh, I can be a lender too. And I want you to get to the point of saying, I am the lender. Because if you can think like a lender, especially go read Gold Lender, uh, Richest uh, Man in Babylon. If you can think like a lender, then you can actually start seeing the matrix in front of you. And you can really see what people are... The poor teach their children how to buy. The rich teach their children how to sell. And the wealthy teach their children how to acquire. Okay? If people are only selling to you and only telling you what to buy and only do... Okay, then you're going to get in the same circle that was going on all these years before. That's right. And look, Derek, let me add to that. So just think about it, y'all. Like, it's a reason why you don't see anybody promoting this, getting in on this industry because it's very lucrative and they don't want everybody to get in on it. So they try to, you know, they that's why it's not being taught. Like, it's a reason. 
And it's a reason why, you know, they want to keep all of the, they want to keep the hidden gems to themselves. They want to continue to capitalize off of it while we're, we're just on the other side being consumers, you know? So like, I like to look at lending as it's, it's, you're being in a position of power because you have 7 million active real estate investors in the United States. Active, that means, meaning, I mean, looking to purchase a property within the next 12 months. But how many lenders, everybody knows real estate investors, but how many of us actually know a lender that we personally know? Not somebody that you know as a lender from, that you know from lending, you know, like, who do you personally know that's a lender? You, you bring up a great point. There's something else you mentioned. Uh, I was actually in the, the portion of the course I had access to, right? You mentioned that everybody's talking about like doing this on a national level, right? But it's really more power and control and more just kind of not, don't be too local. Right. right. But like for me, I'm looking at it from, and I already kind of told you off air. I'm looking at it from like my, my, I need to take care of my region mm-hmm. and take, that's who I should be focusing on my particular region and the people that are around me. There's enough investors around me yeah. to take care of them on the, on the lending side forever. And the best part about it forever is it, it, it also means eternal. And the best part about eternal means God says, cast your hopes on things that are eternal. Right. And so you really opened my eyes. And I, before we met, I had, I've been praying about this topic, not knowing exactly where it was going to take us. And then you and I bumped into each other organically. And then we're having this conversation. I think this is an opportunity. I I have to speak for the people that listen. Black Equity Podcast listeners. Now, it could be for other people, too. But I can only speak for the people that God has put me as a leader over. I think this is a time for Black Equity Podcast listeners to all become lenders. And you can take care of your particular region, take care of your particular people and do the asset classes that you choose to do. And I think this is one avenue for you to be able to do that. Now, do your own research, decide for yourself, but the links are going to be in the show notes and you can decide whatever you want to decide. But what I will put out there, and this is a new concept and I'm going to repeat it again. Are you going to be black rich or are you going to be black wealthy? And that just you decide the level in which you play. Rod, I want to thank you for coming on Black Equity Podcast. I know you did not expect me to go on this tangent, but sometimes the Holy Spirit just takes over. What are some uh, final thoughts you may have as it uh, pertains to lending, uh, pertains to your journey, and for those who are about to begin the journey of becoming a lender? Well, first and foremost, I want to thank you, Derek, for sharing this platform with with the great audience here in the Black Equity Podcast and Black Equity Network. You know, um, one thing I would like to leave with is, you know, um, trying to think of something good here. (laughs) Take your time, man. It was powerful to end with. Um, So one thing I would say is that, you know, as far as lending, you know, like, 
I love I love real estate investing. Like so, you know, you heard me and Derek talk about how you know you should consider the lending side of it. Now, if you enjoy investing, you know, then continue to do that as well. I'm I'm still a real estate investor, you know, but I prefer to do lending on a day to day uh, aspect. Now, I do highly, you know, I, I'm I highly recommend you to look into this endeavor because we do need more representation. Like Derek and I discussed, you know, Derek is going to get in in the game as well. You know, but I mean, we just we just are needed because, like I said, we all know real estate investors. Most of them look like us that we do know, you know, within our network. But they don't know anybody that look like us that they can come and reciprocate that business with and, you know, come get loans from. And, you know, by us having a presence also in this industry, we can reduce the amount of uh, discrimination and, you know, racism that that is attached to a lot of lending institutions, even some private and hard money lenders. You know, like I said, I've never dealt with that you know, myself personally, but I'm sure there's other, you know, other, other lenders out there that don't enjoy seeing, you know, blacks obtaining wealth. You know, like one thing I'll say is that the majority, you know, when I first got into lending, you know, obviously I would say, and I was trying to shoot for everybody, everybody, everywhere. And you heard me say that in the course, Derek, Mm -hmm. but one thing I've learned the hard way is that, you know, well, it took time, you know, as we was monitoring, you know, our data and everything and, most of my borrowers are people that look like me, you know, so I began to refine my targeting and just focus on us. And, you know, that was like a learning experience for me because I, it really just woke me up because we're the ones that need the opportunities anyway. So now within my business, I, not only am I able to capitalize off of being a lender, but I get you know great joy just from seeing a lot of our people gain starting to build generational wealth. You know, a lot of my people come from the hood. You know, a lot of my borrowers come from the hood. And, you know, we extend the opportunity for them to be able to get involved with in real estate investing because hard money has a lot of myths. People say, oh, it's expensive, but they don't understand. A lot of these loans are short term. You know, so you can't compare it to a 30-year fixed loan, you know, when these are 12-month loans. So the interest rate will be higher, but you got to look at the cost of doing business. If you taking a, even if it's a 10% interest rate, if you're able to make, 20,000, 40,000, 50,000, whatever off of you uh, leveraging that loan and taking advantage of an investment, that would be a no brainer. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it's a high, I mean, down payment 10 to 20%. But if you don't have any other means to, to obtain that property, if you don't have all the money to pay for it outright, how else would you be able to take advantage of this opportunity? So, you know, hard money, in my perspective, is a kind of do it for, you know, people who just don't want to use their money or who would want to leverage their money to, to scale even quicker, or people that don't have all the money to have the opportunity to get involved and begin changing, you know, their and their family's lives. So that's what I love the most about lending. Yeah. You said something in the beginning of this episode, and I quickly wrote it down, that it may be the title of this episode. You said we have to be in a position to lend. And it's so simple, right? It's a, it's a very simple concept. I I believe a lot of people are out of position. They're playing the wrong position, right? And I think a lot of people got tricked out of their position as well. Uh, chasing fame. Yeah. I'll just say, hey, we got to put it all out, man. This, yeah. we're, this, yeah. is, this is docu- we're documenting the truth. They were chasing fame. They were chasing imaginary money. They were chasing clout. They were chasing uh, social media there were just there a lot of people were chasing the wrong things a lot of people yeah and i'll be completely honest i didn't chase those things but i did look look at them i did 
I did look oh. off and said, "Oh man, that would be cool." And it was a it was a mirage in, in the middle of the desert. But I feel like lending is more like the Nile River or like a river, right? And so you can choose which one you're going to do. You're going to do the mirage that when you get there, it looks like water. It looks like it's going to be refreshing. And then when you get there, you're like, oh my goodness, this isn't what I thought it would be. Or do you choose the river that that flows forever? Right? And so that's really what the conversation that I really want people to start having in their brain and in their mind. If you've ever wanted to be a lender, now's the time to take action. I want you to take action, whether it's with us or anywhere else, I want you to be the lender. And I want you to then go back to all the gurus and all the people holding the microphones and ask them, do you want me to be a lender or do you want me to be enslaved to you? And I think you're going to start finding out a lot of the people you thought were here to help were were Wilson Sheets Clothing. I think you're going to find that. Uh, Ryan, I really do thank you for opening my eyes because you don't know what you did, man. You, you didn't just open my eyes on lending. You actually opened, you kind of cracked open something that made me realize what was fake. And the more we get to know each other, I'm sure more, more will be revealed. Absolutely. But when you go through the fire and you come out as pure gold, it makes the fool's gold very apparent. Thank so, you, I think you. I mean, because honestly, that's my only goal. You know, my only goal, not only goal. That's my only goal. You know, was to just you know be myself, be authentic, have put the people first, and you know let them judge. You know, be able to compare. You know, because I give I'm transparent 100 percent of the way. You know what I mean? You know, I'm not perfect. I've made several mistakes. And I'm I'm always I'm, I'm always going to be a work in progress. You know we all are, but you know I leave with with good intentions. And I you know my theory on life and definitely in business, but in life in general. You know I treat every person, every situation the way I would want to be treated. You know mm-hmm. so that way I sleep great at night. I, I mean I sleep like a baby. You better you know what I mean like and that 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 model has been you know been been uh, extremely helpful for me. So now thank you for you know for. Uh, you know, for connecting, sharing your platform and having this great conversation. This was amazing. Thank you so much, Rod. And uh, feel free to come back anytime on Black Equity Podcast. Uh, I think we'll be having more conversations over time. So thank you again. No problem. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it.